Hi, friends. Welcome to a new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast. I am your host, John Bishop, alongside Josh Peterson and Connor Happer. And on this week's 1620 The Jays podcast, baseball season begins this weekend. We will hear from head coach Ed Service. Also, an update on the Creighton women's basketball team, winners of 10 straight. And a little bit later on, my conversation with Creighton softball stars Natalia Pacino and Jenna Lawrence, who combined for a no-hitter on opening weekend. It's all coming up this week on the 1620 The Jays podcast. But the Creighton baseball team looks forward to the 2024 season. Last year came up short in heartbreaking fashion of making the Big East tournament. But the Jays have a new look. And their head coach, Ed Service, had a chance to sit down with our Connor Happer before they headed off to their opening series in Maryland earlier this week. Baseball season is here and the Creighton Blue Jays are getting underway this weekend when they take on Coppin State in Baltimore. Kind of an unorthodox place to open the season. We talked about that and more with Ed Service this week on the Connor Happer Show. And here's that interview right now. The Blue Jays are getting ready to go in Ed Service's 21st season here at the helm. So they go into it once again. And uh, they are at Coppin State this weekend. Ed Service joins us now on the 42 Degrees the Source Hotline. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm doing great. Um, so we, we, we have to dive into this first. Um, uh, one of the things that we usually talk about with the, with the local coaches when we have them on before the season is like scheduling philosophies and and how do we get how do we how do we come to this and how do we get this series and so I looked at your guys' schedule a couple months ago and then tried to map it out a little bit and I thought that's interesting I, you don't really see a northern school head even further north for their first series of the uh, of the year how did you end up in in Baltimore for your first weekend well scheduling is always interesting um, the first five or six weeks of the season. You know, everybody's trying to get south and find games and find tournaments and, and those kind of things. And one of the things I've tried to do some years, it works out others. It doesn't. It's to try to play in conditions that are somewhat similar to what we're going to play when we start to play games at home, you know, which is normally temperatures in the forties. You might touch a 50 now and then. So you're going to play probably, you know, 30 to 40% of your games in, those conditions. So why not prepare your team by opening the season up if you can find a place that's dry in those cooler temperatures? And if you really look at our past schedules, I know last year we opened up in Louisiana, but two years ago it was Portland. Yeah. About four years ago it was Seattle. And the the common thing with these situations are the temperature is somewhat similar to what we're going to have to play in up here and their turf field. So I know we don't have to deal with, you know, the possibility of moisture and not getting games in. So um, this Compen State thing became available. I reached out to them and said, hey, what is the likelihood of us being able to get those first that first weekend series in? He goes, we've done it in the past. We did it last year. I looked at their schedule. It was true. They did play at home last year, the first weekend. So I said, let's do it. Do you have to like? Uh, do you have to explain it to your guys why you're not going to Florida, Texas, Arizona, like it, like everybody else? Or, or, or are they like? I, I, are they good I, with it? I probably would have to if it was like the fourth weekend. Yeah, <laughs> but they're so they're so anxious to play right now. Yeah, they would they would play anywhere, any situation, whatever. They just want to play. They put in their time. They worked hard in the fall. 
They've worked hard in these preseason workouts. They want to play. And they, they, I think they trust that I'm going to try to put them in a situation where they have a chance to be successful. So they know it's a turf field. They know the temperatures are going to be very similar to what we've been practicing in here the last week and a half. So, um, you know, maybe I got lucky this year. It could, be, it could have been bad out there, but yeah. I think we're going to walk into a situation that we're going to get our games in and it's going to be in like conditions that we have here in Omaha. Well, that's another thing that we're going to hit with all of our, you know, all the local representatives that we have on from, from our baseball teams around here. I mean, the, the weather's been really, really great. And if you have a space outside where you can get outside, like every year we talk about this with you guys, like how, hey, how much were you able to get outside and how much does that affect you going into your first set of games? And, and you know, like it's not only it's not only that you've been able to get outside and do something, not just play catch, but like you guys have done some real work outside over the last couple of weeks. Yes, we have. We've only had three indoor workouts. That's crazy. So that's probably happened one other year in my time here in Omaha at Creighton University. So I actually enjoy indoor workouts. Um, I'm sure the players don't. Right. But I enjoy them because there's a lot of teaching taking place indoors. You have their you have their um, attention a lot easier inside than you do outside. Now, I, that being said, I don't want to practice inside for three weeks. But I liked, you know, three or four days of it like we had this year. Gives us a chance to review everything that we talked about in the fall before we start to put them in, like, game situations. But when you don't get outside, it's really difficult to prepare your outfielders. It's really difficult to prepare your kind of your relay, cuts and relay system that you have. It's really difficult for your players to get comfortable with communication, uh, whether it be the fly ball situations or cuts and relays or whatever. So, it has been nice. Uh, we have a turf field here on campus, so we were able to move the snow and get it out real quick. And obviously the snow's been gone now for a while, so we've been actually able to give our hitters some live at-bats, and some years we, we've not been able to do that. Well, you get to see – I imagine it's advantageous for you as a coach too because you get to actually see how it looks. You know, it, Obviously it's great to go through preseason stuff and, and drill them and, like you said, have their attention, but – um, at, at the same time, you get to see actual baseball and, and see how guys react in situations, at least at least a little bit this time around. Like how advantageous might that be, not just in the early part of the season, but to sort of have a higher level of a starting point to where you kind of know what you're going to get or at least have a better idea of what you're going to get first weekend instead of, hey, let's just kind of roll the ball out there and see what we got. Yeah, you, you talked about the advantages of being outside and seeing players in a kind of a more yeah. game-like scenario. And, and you know, really, when we don't get outside, which happens the majority of the time, it normally takes you about three to four weeks to really get a feel for your team because, like you mentioned, you're not seeing them in baseball situations. With us being able to get outside, hopefully we've sped up that process a little bit so it's not four weeks, it's maybe two weeks before we get a real comfort level of what players can do and what they can't do. And I think it's especially important with this year's team because there's so much parity within this group. There's so much depth within this group. It's going to be hard to figure out who deserves the playing opportunities. So um, I'm glad we've had a chance to get outside. Uh, Ed Services with us, Creighton Baseball Coach. All right, so let's let's talk about your team this year, and I, I guess we'll we'll kind of start with last year. What what were sort of the lessons learned and the takeaways from a year ago? And, and you mentioned the, the depth is the death piece might be a little bit more there this year. You guys were kind of trying to find combinations that worked for you on the mound as last year went along. I guess, what would you take away from that that is that is applicable 
to what you what we're going to see this year? The big lesson we all learned last year, and we've talked about it with our team two or three times, is we did not get better as the season went on. That is not the case with most of our clubs here. We find ways to get better. We take practice serious. We try to develop our players for whatever reason, and we could spend a few hours trying to <laughs> talk about that and dissect it. We didn't get better. We played some of our best baseball at the front end, and normally it's just the opposite. We're playing our best baseball at the back end. So I've kind of preached to our players that we have to look at this practice situation and put more intent and more behind it because we need to develop. That's kind of the history of Creighton baseball is the players get, the program gets better, the team gets better, you know, week by week. And then by the time you get into May, you know, they're, they're playing at their highest level. So that's the lesson we learned. But we also, also, you know, learned that we need to, we need to have more depth within the team. You know, we had a few injuries and everybody does, and that's not an excuse, but, you know, we just didn't feel like the players behind the injured players were quite ready to go at this level. So um, I think we've, um, based on the information I gathered from the fall ball in these first few weeks of the preseason, I think we've addressed that in a positive way. And uh, it's good for coaches. Sometimes players don't want depth. They want to know that every day they're going to have a chance to play. And I don't think that's going to be the case this year. There's going to probably be a little bit more accountability um, there, you know, and we're going to have to look at that as to why a player plays and why he doesn't play. You think about Creighton baseball and the identity that you guys have built. It's obviously built on built on pitching and defense and and aggressive on the base paths as well. I guess what what kind of group as you try and figure out what your what this version of this team's identity might be? Does it does it go along those lines and sort of the way you like it or what's the what's the sort of special piece about this group that you like? Well, we're going to be able to play defense. You know, we, we do return a lot of guys, you know, our starting third base and our starting shortstop. Kyle Hess, who was injured last year, who was our starting third baseman two years ago, we've moved to second base. So we have a lot of experience. Hogan Halesco, who's been a starter for, this will be his third year behind the plate. We got Nolan Sailors, who's been a three-year starter in the outfield. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to be able to continue to see that high-level defense that we've seen throughout the years here. Pitching, I think we have depth. We may not have that one standout guy that we can think is going to get us seven or eight innings every time out, but we have a lot of depth. We have a lot of options. People who know our program know I like to use the bullpen, and I think we have a lot of options in our bullpen. And then from an offensive standpoint, it's a nice blend. I think we have some athleticism, which we can do some things on the base path, and I also think we have some power. So it's going to be a nice blend. We'll see how it all plays out here. Hopefully, you know, we'll find out some more about that this weekend. But I think it, I think we're going to be a tough team to defend, and uh, at least I hope so, because we can attack you in different ways. We're not just one-dimensional. Yeah, I assume your takeaway was, was sort of the same on this, but what, what, if there is a positive, one of, the, one of the positive pieces of going so deep into your, into your pitching staff last year, you, you had some injuries and guys who just, who just didn't throw it well, but you went, you went way deep into that last year, um, and now you have a lot of those pieces coming back and assumingly are ready for for bigger roles sort of on the, on the pitching staff, whether it's weekend rotation guys or guys that you can trust um, in relief as well. Well, we got, you know, our, our, our bullpen with Mason Cook, who threw 
you know, right around nine or ten innings last year, and Shane Curtin, a left-hand pitcher who threw about the same as freshman, they are more than ready to take on a bigger role. Those guys will be in a lot of high-leverage situations throughout the year, and they're only sophomores, and even though they only have, you know, nine or ten innings under their belt, they had good summers. They went out and played summer ball. They garnered a lot of experience doing that, and they came back with a tremendous amount of confidence compared to where they were at this time last year. So those are two guys that we're going to lean heavy on that we didn't lean on last year, but they did get their feet wet a little bit toward the second half of last season because of some of those situations that you talked about. But those are the guys you're going to see in some really tough, tough situations in late games, and I think they're going to, I think they're going to do okay. That, that power piece that you mentioned in the lineup, it, it started to show itself a little bit at the end of the year. I, I think you probably were we're wanting maybe some more consistent, you know, at, at bats out of guys, but the the power sort of flashed toward the end of the year. Obviously, you know, a guy like Grace was 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 banged up kind of throughout the entirety of last season. Mm-hmm. You had to sort of work work your way through that. Um, but there was a couple other guys. You know, Ben North came along. Kobe Canales had a couple home runs. Like there there were some guys in that lineup that started to flash some power. Like how do you how do you get the power piece with a little bit more consistency and getting on base too with with those type of guys. Well, I think power sometimes comes with experience. Yeah. And Jack has a lot of that. Jack Grace has a lot of that. So we, we're banking on him to provide some of that for us. Ben Norris having a year under his belt. He's a much, much better offensive player than what he showed last year. Has a lot of power. Um, just needs to understand how to hit a little bit. And, and it, Noah, he also needs to understand how to control the strike zone. And then we recruited a couple guys that we believe are going to be nice pieces for us in that area. Teddy Dieter is a transfer from Xavier. He'll be our starting right fielder. And then Will McClain, a transfer from UMass. These are physical players that it's fun to watch these guys take B. It's BP. It's fun to watch them play in some of our inner squads because they're, they're, they look a little different. I mean, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to pass the eye test, you know, and not only do they pass the eye test, they're pretty good baseball players too. So I'm looking forward to those guys along with Jack, along with Ben, you know, providing us um, a little bit of power when that's needed. Well, I was going to say, I I really noticed that, you know, toward the end of last year that it, this, the team sort of started to take on a little bit of a of a different shape just as far as the, the physicality. Is that like, I don't know, you, you, I mentioned earlier, you think of Creighton baseball and it's and it's sort of built on on defense and you guys will still have that that capability. But like, where, where is that just by the... I don't know about luck of the draw. That's probably not the right word to use, but the physicality piece that you guys have sort of introduced to the program, bigger guys who can hit for, for power a little bit, where does that come from? Is that is that something that you wanted to add a little bit more into the mix? Yes, we did. And when you see us play, you'll notice that right away. It'll jump out at you. Now, some of that has to do with these are older players too now. We have a lot of juniors and seniors on the team and obviously they're 22, 23 years old, so they're going to be more mature, more developed than an 18-year-old. But it will jump out right away that this team is much more physical than some of our teams. It reminds you a little bit maybe the 19 team that had a lot of physicality and could drive the baseball and score in a bunch of different ways. Um, this team has that, that capability. But you're trying to, when you recruit, you're trying to blend the physicality with athleticism. Because the thing I like about our game, since we made some of the adjustments with the bat and the ball, is it's much more athletic than it was years ago. 
And I think that's what fans want to see. They want to see athletes on the field. They want to see athletes perform, no matter what sport it is. And so we're trying to recruit not only physical players, but athletic players. And I think we've done a better job of that here recently. And I think that's what you're going to see when you see this club this this spring. Ed Service, head coach, Creighton Baseball, getting going for their uh, for Coach Service's 21st season on Friday at Coppin State. They are at home on Tuesday, March 5th, against UMass Lowell for their home opener. Coach Service, appreciate the time, as always, and uh, we'll see you at the ballpark. Thank you. Bye now. Good stuff there from Coach Service. Once again, they are underway this weekend at Coppin State. On the road for a couple weekends and open their home season on Tuesday, March 5th, at home against UMass Lowell. So we hope to see you guys at the ballpark this year. And, of course, we will have those games for you on the radio when they come home on either 1620 The Zone, 1290 Coil, or 1180 The Zone as well. Okay, that's it for me this week. Let's send it back to John Bishop. John? After the Blue Jays finish up with Coppin State, they will head to Sugarland, Texas, where they will take on five different opponents over the course of nine days. So the Blue Jays going to be traveling early, as they usually are, in the early college baseball season. And now let's turn things over to Josh Peterson. John, thank you so much. It is time for a women's basketball update here on the 1620 The Jays podcast. I've had a chance to call essentially all of their home games in 2024. The only one that I have missed was the Butler game back on January the 10th, so a little over a month from now, uh, and looking forward two more home games to go this season and two more road games as well, starting on Friday the 16th of February as they will travel to the East Coast to take on St. John's, a game, of course, that you can hear. On 1180, the zone, Glenn Sisk will have the call. He'll also be on the call for the final UConn game of the regular season on Monday uh, at 11 a.m. as well on 1180, the zone. And then uh, I'll have the call with Rob Sims versus Villanova on the 24th, 11 a.m. on the Big Dog, 1620. And John Schreiner and I will finish up the regular season senior night versus Xavier on the 27th. Of February, but I just wanted to talk about this team as they stand right now, twenty and three on the year. An incredible uh, stretch that they are on right now. They beat DePaul all the way back on January the sixth to begin a winning streak that sits at ten straight right now. Aptly enough, their most recent one coming against DePaul, and as I said, another game that I was on the call for, but just a few of the observations that I've had watching this team in some of the most recent games from them. I think the first thing that stands out to me continues to be their versatility uh, with players individually, because Sometimes uh, with some of these games lately, I think Emma Ronsick is such a great example of this, doesn't always have to be the star of the show. She has had an interesting couple of games going back to the end of January versus Marquette, 9 points, 2 of 10 shooting. Then versus Butler, 26 points, 10 of 15 shooting. Versus Xavier, 7 points on 1 of 9. And then she bounced back incredibly well versus DePaul, 29 points in 31 minutes. Did so on 9 of 16 from the floor and only 1 for 3 from the three-point line. We had Emma on the podcast earlier this season, and that uh, efficiency that she has shown this year continues to be the thing I think that sticks with me You know, early on in the year, especially versus you and I when she went six for seven from three. We would see a lot of those games, six attempts, six attempts, five attempts, four, five attempts again from three. Lately, 
three, four, four, three, five, four, 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 two, three. I mean, we're talking about a player who in this stretch has really picked her spots, and it was so nice to see a bounce back performance from her versus DePaul over the weekend. Uh, and you wonder now what could that mean for her moving forward? But we, we talk so often about this big three with her, with Lauren Jensen, with Morgan Molly as well. And these players, it, it kind of isn't like a game to game situation. They trade on, hey, who is who is performing it at this high of a level? Who is going to lead the team in scoring? And I think that that has to be a really scary proposition for teams, whether it's the, the final four that they will see in the regular season, St. John's, UConn, Villanova, and Xavier, certainly whoever they see in the Big East Conference Tournament, and then whoever they get in the NCAA Tournament as well, in that, you know, any one of those players can lead the team, but like, don't forget about a player like Molly Mogensen as well. Had a great conversation with Jim Flannery, Rob Sims, and I did before that DePaul game and talking about Mogensen and what she is able to do because, you know, we, 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 I guess, push off the big three and we refer to them as the big three. And then you have the other players. She is allowed to not so much skate under everything, but her performances uh, can really like lift up the team overall. And she had another nice night versus DePaul, eight points, three of six shooting. And you look else at what else she did, five rebounds and four assists as well. She had eight rebounds and four assists versus Xavier. And so it's so fun watching her play also because, uh, you know, sometimes she's going to put up the points. She's had double digits a couple of times in the last month. Other times she's not, but she will impact the game in a variety of different ways. And I think that you could say the same thing right now about a Mallory break who just continues, I think, to develop as a player coming off of a career high in the Xavier game on the six, 17 points, seven of eight shooting, but she is really impacting the game in a ton of different ways right now. She had 12 rebounds in that game uh, versus Butler before the Xavier game. She had eight rebounds versus Xavier. She had six against DePaul. She's had three, two, and three assists in each of the last three games, but look at what she's doing on the defensive end as well. She had three blocks versus Seton Hall at the end of January. You look at the steals that she has had over the last mm, four games, and you're looking at over 10, 11 total assists. So she has really put her fingerprints on the team. And I mean, that's something that those takeaways that she has, the block shots that she has, essentially rendering the possessions for the opposition, you know, pretty much useless. And she has done a great job at that. And I think that it's led to some confidence on the offensive end. Another thing that we talked about with Jim Flannery, and I think that she looks a little bit more comfortable out there as this season goes along. It's been the same starting five and essentially ran through the starting five uh, at this point in time. It's been the same starting five all year long. And Mallory Brake, um, you know, at times I think that she has maybe uh, gotten forgotten about a little bit, uh, but she has been amazing this season, and her development has been a whole lot of fun to see. And and I think that she is another one of those players that, uh, again, as the Big East tournament arrives, as the NCAA tournament arrives, just someone to keep an eye on. And if she is able to do, it's not even about the double-digit scoring, which she has done now a handful of times this year. It's about some of the other things that she is able to do, you know, crashing the boards, going up amongst, you know, a lot of people sometimes in the paint and coming away with them, and, and certainly what she's able to do um, on the defensive end. And it's just, it's been so much fun to watch. It's, it's funny, you know, we get to this point. Barely have talked about Lauren Jensen or Morgan Molly um, at this point in time. Both of those players averaging well into the double figures 
Lauren Jensen uh, hasn't had a game in single digits uh, since South Dakota State before Christmas on the 21st of December. It's the only time this year that she has been unable to reach double digits. And she is a player right now, I think, um, especially as I've been on the call for some of these games where, you know, playing with the, their food maybe would be the way that I would describe it, or at the very least, shots aren't falling. Um, one of the things that I am more impressed by with Lauren Jensen, and I think this year it stood out to me more than even in the last two seasons, is she'll get the ball sometimes and, and decide, all right, well, we're going to get points on this possession. I'm going to drive. I'm going to lay the ball in. Uh, we'll be good to go. And sure enough, she has been able to do that quite a bit this year, coming off of another uh, great performance, 8 of 18 from the floor versus DePaul, 19 points, 3 of 6 from beyond the arc. And how about this, though? Eight rebounds, matching the most that she has had all season, going all the way back to November when she was able to do so versus Michigan State. So she has also developed her game in a variety of different ways. Uh, looking at the rest of the schedule, talked about the, uh, the the games on the road that are coming up. Both of those games you can hear on 1180 uh, The Zone as Creighton takes on St. John's and UConn. Uh, then they have Villanova and Xavier. And then the final game of the regular season at Seton Hall on Sunday, March the 3rd. Obviously, they've already seen these teams this year. Just three conference losses to this point, uh, or two conference losses, rather, to this point in time. The UConn game, 94-50 to back at the beginning of January. They also lost to Marquette, 76-70, to and they were able to, to get revenge on that one on a game that I got to call at the very end of January. A whole lot of fun, 76-71. to um, they were able to come away victorious over Marquette. And you look at the other teams that they have played. They beat St. John's at the very end of 2023 by 11 points on a uh, on a Saturday. Already talked about the UConn game. Uh, Villanova, that was one that they played in the mid to late portion of January. A nice comfortable win in the end, 63-49. to 49. Uh, You look at the Xavier game. Interesting, you know, they'll be coming off of just playing them uh, already on the 6th of February. And then they'll play them three weeks later on that senior day uh, game that I'll be on the call for uh, with John Schreiner on the 21st. And and, and that was one, man, a nice win for them in that one. 31.77 to 46. They're coming. It's, it's a nice stretch right now. I feel like they're peaking with some of these victories, 75-65, 77-46. And then that DePaul game, just so interesting, 88 to 59. Saw four timeouts called by DePaul in the first half. They didn't have any timeouts going into the second half, something that I have never seen before uh, in that one. And then they'll finish up at Seton Hall, uh, and they won that first meeting by eight points. And, and that was one – that was a tough, tough basketball game at the very end of January. Uh, you know, it's funny. They, they're they're up at the half by nine points. You feel like, are they going to start pulling away? Uh, no, not so much. 19-14, Seton Hall outscores them in the third quarter. And then just 16 combined points, just two combined made field goals in the fourth quarter. But I think that's one of those wins that Flan and company are going to be really appreciative of, right, as the season goes along that, hey, it's nice to win these games 77-72 to or 81-70 to or 76-71. to also nice to win 157-49, to and that's what they were able to do versus Seton Hall. And so uh, they will see them again the final game of the regular season. Can't believe that we're almost to March already. Of course, stay tuned, whether it's the 1620 The Zone or 1180 The Zone with uh, Creighton Women's Basketball. I'm so excited to be on the call 
for these final couple games of the regular season starting next Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, that game will be on Big Fox and it'll be the pink out game and I'm looking forward to being on the call for that one with uh, Rob Sims and then the following Tuesday, senior day already and of course this group full of seniors. There is that COVID eligibility so we're, we're kind of all wondering hey, what's going to happen for the 2024-2025 season? Uh, you figure by that point in time maybe we have some answers and, and who is and, and isn't acknowledged on senior day but either way it should be a whole lot of fun it's been a pleasure getting to watch this group over the last handful of years and and certainly getting to see them courtside as I have for so many of these games over the last few seasons uh, calling all of them it's been awesome they are uh, such a fun team so much chemistry so much fun to play with hoping to have some more conversations with uh, some players on the team as the uh, season winds down whether it's the regular season or the postseason and so we will certainly have more of those coming up on the 1620 the Jays podcast but yeah check out the schedule at 16 20thezone.com to find out where these games will air. Uh, usually it's 1180 The Zone, uh, but yeah, 1620 The Zone for the game coming up next Saturday versus Villanova. Excited to be on the call for that one with Rob Sims. So that is the update on the Creighton women's basketball team. 20-3 and three right now, 11-2 and two in conference play. 10 wins in a row. What a bounce back performance, uh, set of performances that they have had since the first loss of the calendar year by 44 points versus UConn. They have ripped off 10 in a row. They continue to have a whole lot of success, and they will get ready to play St. John's on a Friday night in Queens. And you can hear that one on 1180 The Zone. Glenn Sisk will have all of the action for you at 6 o'clock on Friday. So that's the women's basketball update. John, back to you. The Creighton softball team got their season off to a pretty good start last weekend as they went down to Texas and they won three out of five games. Uh, Kind of an adventure the first couple of games out of the shoot as the Jays got uh, on the bad end of a perfect game against Southern Illinois. But then our next guest stepped into the circle and made sure that uh, the second game would go a lot better. We are joined by Creighton pitchers Jenna Lawrence and Natalia Pacino, who combined last week on a no-hitter against uh, Northwestern State. Ladies, thanks for coming on the 1620 Jays podcast. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. I got to ask first, because I didn't realize that the first game, I, I know we had lost, but I didn't realize it was a perfect game. How, how hard is that to like just flush that out of your mind. I know you didn't have anything to do with it because you're, you're, you're obviously pitching, but how much, how, how hard is that to come back? You have to play another game and you just got perfect gamed by another team. Is, is there, is there a different mindset that you go into with a second game with? Well, when you get kind of perfect game like that, it's just like a, you know, congratulations sort of thing. So I guess as us as pitchers and, you know, obviously we want to win, but when you see another pitcher, especially a freshman, do something remarkable like that. It's just, you know, hats off to you, I guess. So, and, and it was the first game of the season and, and you know, we've got, you just got to move on, you know, it's the next game. You can't go back. You can't change the past. And so it's, you just got to focus and let's get this next one. Natalia, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I agree with Jenna. I think the main thing that coach Wood told us after the game was, Hey, it's a freshman. It was her first game. Just tip your hat to her and, Go get the next one. Uh, I think it's hard having a double header um, when something like that does happen because it can be really easy to to dwell on that. Um, but we, I mean, everyone did a great job on just forgetting it and leaving it in the past and going all out for the next game. 
Well, then it was your uh, your turn, and uh, Jenna, you got the start. You got off the team off to a good start, pitched the first three innings. What was kind of your approach going into the matchup? Where you know, uh, you know what you knew about the scouting report, what you thought you were going to face, and and how to kind of meet your expectations. It was at first I wasn't actually going to start. It was going to be somebody else, but last minute she just made the switch. Um, she knew, we knew that they were swinging at like high and inside or they were going to go low and out. And so she just thought, you know, if we could just, if we can go high, like just rise balls and drop balls out, then we're going to be effective. And that's just what we did. That was just kind of my, I, I didn't really like have like a specific kind of like plan. I just knew I needed to hit my spots. I just needed to move the ball. I just, I just needed to pitch my game basically. Um, and just first, you know, first game out, you know, you want to obviously, I mean, you have jitters, but you want to do the best, you know, that's going to set the tone for the rest of the season. So that was just, that was basically my mindset was just, you know, go all out. Also, as I'm a senior, you know, no regrets, just kind of go out and go do my thing. I know in softball, you know, you never, you never know when your number's going to be called. And sometimes it is going to be a last second change. So how much lead time did you have knowing you were going to be pitching and starting that game? Well, she told me, at first, like I needed to get fully warm. I was going to be first relief. And I mean, she kind of hinted at like, you know, this might change, but for me, it was, it was going to be Brooke. And just, she just kind of told me as we were warming up, actually, like, I think you're just going to go in. And, but I was fully warm at that point, And she, she kind of hinted at like, I, I might go in. So I already had that in the back of my mind. So it wasn't really like a, Oh geez, like I'm, this is a shock or anything. It was just, it was just her decision in that moment between us two. So. And like you said, like you said, you're a senior. You've been around the block uh, enough times. Uh, is yeah. there <laughs> is there a certain, I guess, freedom in you know where in, instead of sitting back all day and thinking about it and going, all right, well, this is what I got to do. Where you just get the ball and you just go out with a very simple approach and you just let it fly. Is there something kind of you know, just, just freeing about that, knowing, you know, that was, you're going to be your role. I definitely think there is something freeing. And like, like I mentioned there, there really, I mean, there is so, there's so much to lose, but at the same time, like, you know, I've, I've been here for four years. Like, again, I've been around the block. I have this experience. Like I don't want to leave here thinking that I, I, I could have did better or I missed something or I like, I held back because I was too, you know, I'm so nervous or like, yeah, it is freeing. Like, I just, I just want to play my last year. I want to have no regrets. I want to, I just want to go out good. I want to go out with a bang and, you know, and if you do fail, like, that's okay. Like you're you're going to move on. I'm going to move past it. I'm going to learn from it. But at least I just, at least I gave it my all is that's kind of my mindset is just give it my all and what's meant to happen will happen. And I mean, I'm prepared for it. So and, and, mo- and most of your career, you've been relief. You, you've only started a handful of games mm-hmm. each of the last three seasons. Uh, you know, it was was that maybe something you were looking forward to doing more of this year, starting the game instead of coming in in relief? Or, or, or was it going to be kind of a hybrid role where you never know what the, each day is going to bring? Well, for sure. I definitely wanted to start it more. I would say before call, I mean, I used to pitch, I feel like in high school, I pitched every game that I ever played. I started every, like that was my rule. My whole life was a starter until I got to college. So it definitely was a bit of a change um, to be a relief, but you know, I wasn't mad about it. Like I got to go in, I got to do a job that, that just became my job. I just had to learn to, to adapt to that. And it wasn't, 
it wasn't really a problem. But for sure, I was definitely looking. I'm definitely looking forward to starting more games. And but if I need to, I mean, however I can get in is however I can get in. Like I'll I'll take whatever I could get basically. So, <laughs> but for sure, yeah. Jenna Lawrence, who started the game. Started the first three innings, uh, shut down Northwestern State. They did get a run, but it, uh, no hits, a couple of walks. And then it was Natalia, it was your turn. I'm always curious about this because obviously there's a scoreboard. Everybody can see the scoreboard. You know what the score is when you go into a game. You know what the situation is when you inherit a situation. How, how much are you aware of the no hitter? Honestly, I really, I don't even really pay attention to the scoreboard that much. I mean, we both didn't even realize it was a no hitter until coach would have told us. I just think there's so many more things that we um, have our mind on during the game that it's not even a thought to look like, oh, there's no hits um, off of us. But um, I mean, yeah, it was really cool hearing at the end um, because I've also never relieved Jenna. So it was cool to also accomplish that with her. So yeah, it was, was definitely a switch for sure. Like it was like, you know, it was, oh, we've never done, it was definitely something new. We'd never done that before. It was, I, I believe towel, but you know, it's never been that way before. So. So there was no dog pile. There was nothing like that. You, you guys just realized, well, you won the game. So obviously you're celebrating and then someone just look up and go, oh yeah, by the way, they didn't get any hits. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. I think it was because that run scored. And so it wasn't like, a, oh, because it wasn't like the pitcher before. It's like a perfect game. You know, nobody got on base or nobody scored. So somebody scored. So it wasn't in our minds like, oh, you know, this is a no hitter right now. And no, definitely there was no dog pile. It was <laughs> after the game, we've already had our after the game talk. We've already, you know, kind of went off, you know, relaxed for a second. And then, yeah, Coach Wood called us over and was like, hey, by the way. Congrats, guys. That was a no-hitter. We're like, okay. <laughs> so. Jenna Lawrence and Natalia Pacino joining us here on the 1620 The Jays podcast. They combined on a no-hitter last week as the Jays won three games down in Texas. And Natalia, your situation, almost a reversal from Jenna. Last year, you were the workhorse. 31 of your games were starts and 34 appearances. So your mindset coming in as a relief pitcher is that unusual for you? Uh, and and kind of what approach do you take in a spot like that, in a place where you haven't been used in that role typically in the past? Um, Yeah, it was definitely a little – it was a little different for me. Um, I've kind of been in the same spot with Jenna where you start the game and you finish it. Um, but I warmed up right at the start of the game. Um, we knew that they were a good hitting team, so whenever I had to go in was when I'd be ready. But – um, I mean, it was kind of nice seeing Jenna throw to start because I knew what she was throwing to them and what they weren't able to hit and, and what they maybe were getting a little more contact on. So it was nice um, getting to see, like, what pitches they were used to. Um, and we throw so differently. She's a north to west or north, north to, south. to south. Sorry, north to south, and I'm east to west. So I think it's a good mix having us two work together. So you give the team a different look, and that that obviously can can mess things up. But at the same time, how much, Natalia, you're watching what Jenna is doing. Uh, were there spots where you know? You, do you find yourself sitting back there, you know, on the sidelines, wondering hmm, maybe I would do this a little bit differently? Were you kind of not picking apart Jenna's performance, but trying to find the things that were working, and then maybe the things that weren't, and then trying to exploit that? Yeah, I mean, there were definitely some, um, like, counts 
closer at bats that I'd be like, oh, I, I probably would have threw like a screwball or something. Um, but I mean, since we are so different, obviously we have different looks um, on the mound. Uh, but I mean, I think Coach Wood does a great job on calling and using our strengths um, to go against the hitters' weaknesses, which I think is really good. Good start to the season after last year. Obviously, last year didn't go the way you guys wanted. Um, question for both of you, Jenna. We'll we'll start with you. What were just kind of the the expectations coming into this year, and and how did you feel that the team was able to, you know, deliver on some of that? Not only last week, but also in uh, winter camp when you're getting ready for the run up to the year. Obviously, uh, I would say last year we weren't. I wouldn't say we were satisfied at any means at what you know it was just kind of a new year we've got new coaches we've got new people like that was just kind of a or I would say kind of like our figuring out year obviously we did some good things like and obviously there were some bad things um but now I just think are just we were a lot more focused I think we've just we've narrowed down like our just focus and like our work ethic and basically I feel like our practices are a lot more focused. We know how to work better with each other. Um, the expectations kind of coming into this year, just better like cohesion with everybody as in like relations with our coach, relations with our teammates. It was just kind of, it was kind of like a really confusing year last year, just cause you had, you know, you have the people who just had a previous head coach and now you've got a new head coach and then you've got all these, you know, freshmen are coming in. It's definitely like, just a lot going on in the environment. Um, but I think the expectations is just a lot better this year about like all, all aspects, hitting, pitching defense. I feel like we're working really, really hard. We've worked very hard. Um, we definitely used last year as like learning points for sure. Um, you know, what, what were we executing? What weren't we executing? What can we do? It was just, just, just to be more focused and be more straightforward and progress forward is basically our expectations and and unlike jenna natalia you come in absolutely fresh i mean you're a freshman last year so as all the coaches are new you're new so you you didn't have any of the you know the the weight or the expectations or just kind of the institutional knowledge of the previous you know coaching staff so i'm curious from your perspective at what point during last season did you think everyone was kind of getting used to not only each other but just the general sense of, you know, how the leadership structure works and how practices work and all of that. Did it take time into the season before you got to that point? I'd say the start of spring, maybe March, um, I think is when we got a lot um, more comfortable with everything, I think. I mean, the fall was definitely hard just feeling it out with everyone. I mean, I came in knowing um, Coach Wood because she's who recruited me, but – then I came in not knowing who these 24 other girls were on the team. And um, they're used to so many different things um, from a coaching staff. So I think that was probably the hardest part is having everybody get used to the way Coach Wood coached, um, Wiggs is hitting. I think um, that was probably probably the hardest thing to get used to was um, new coaches, I think, just for everybody. Um, but you can definitely tell that from last winter to this winter, we are just a completely different team getting ready to go into the spring season. Um, definitely have worked way harder than we ever did last year. Everyone has their mindset on going all the way and we all are on that exact same page. So I think that's what's 
really helping us. Jenna, when did you notice that, hey, this year is going to be a lot different than last year? Was it first day of practice or did you notice it sometime another another point? I would say about a month into the fall, to be honest. You can just tell the atmosphere, like the culture, just the way that people communicate with each other. It's just it's just a completely different vibe. It was just last year. It wasn't like there was a bad vibe. It was just that there was just so much going on and just so many new people. It was just a lot. Of, I just feel like a lot of people couldn't really be on the same page almost. And I just feel like everybody's on the same page now. I just if it, it, it's very like there's this very positive energy perhaps going on. So I would definitely just say like a month into the fall, you could just tell right away it was a lot better. And I noticed you guys all got a chance to, uh, were those uh, decorative? Were you all exchanging Valentine's today? You had all the, the boxes. I saw the tweet on Valentine's they Day. Already post, they already post our boxes. Yeah. There. Yes. We do. We, do uh, we started it last year with Coach Wood. She has us decorate a shoe box or whatever you have um, and then leave it in front of your locker and everyone goes around and puts stuff in it for everybody we do a lot of fun stuff like uh for halloween we do things called like boo baskets that's what they're called so a little cute little basket for halloween for christmas we'll do secret santa for groundhog's day <laughs> if people saw that we all colored a groundhog and then now we do valentine's day boxes everybody gives to the candy now so it's just uh, cute little fun stuff you know? yeah now uh, you know believe it or not even as old as i am i remember making those boxes and you had them in your classrooms i was that something you guys did in grade school too or is that something that's from a time gone by that only coach wood and i would understand oh yeah i did that and okay for sure okay yeah. now i feel better i feel better there's some <laughs> things that just never some things that never change so we got to know because people who watch softball uh they see the the different cheers, the different gimmicks that might happen in the dugout, all of those things. Let us in because we didn't get a chance to see it last week. I know one of the games this week will be on ESPN Plus, so that'll be cool for us to be able to watch from home. But what do we have this year that's uh, special, that's unique, that's uniquely Creighton when it comes to rooting on your teammates and trying to you know cheer everyone on to get the next hit, to get the next strikeout? I feel like we don't have as many like set cheers. I feel like last year there was there was a certain thing that you would do at a certain time when there was someone up to bat. Um, you can definitely tell that the energy is just a lot different in the dugout and everyone is truly having so much fun, just yelling it's and having a blast. I wouldn't say anything like that's uniquely Creighton. I don't think we have like slogan as per se. I I feel like, like again it's went from a lot less like when you're doing actual structured cheer i just feel like it's a lot of just yelling hooting and hollering like both of us lost our <laughs> voice so you're kind of hearing a, like, like for a couple days a little bit better for the last two days we both couldn't talk because we were screaming so <laughs> loud and people thought we were sick and we're like no we were really <laughs> screaming that loud um and in a lot of our cheers or a lot of our sayings is just it's it's honestly, it kind of comes from like inside jokes, just kind of jokes between us, like oh, teammates yeah. or like our kind of inner teammate. Maybe it's a meme. Maybe it's just something someone made up at the time. And then all of us find it funny. And then we just think it's, that's just it's hilarious time. for the next three innings. Right. <laughs> so you're, vi you're just vibing it out. You're just vibing yeah. it out is what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Okay. It's on the fly. So yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. All right. Final question for both of you. Jenna first. 
Do you have a superstition? No, I don't really necessarily have a superstition. The only, I guess maybe the only thing I could technically say is I have to put on my left sock before anything. Like how I get ready, it is my left sock goes on completely first. It's a habit. Yeah. That's, that's what it is, but it's not, it's not very big, but nothing like too crazy. I don't, do you have a Natalia? Um, I just have to warm up with a piece of gum in my mouth every time mm. if I'm warming up. What kind know, of gum? Just... What kind of gum? Mint, any type of mint gum. Okay, so you don't have a specific brand as long as it is mint. Which which mint though? Is it like peppermint, spearmint? It's like the the ice one. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yep, that's what I like to have. But not in games, obviously. Um. Probably throughout the first inning, but then it gets gross and then I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It does. Once the taste wears out, there's really nothing left. <laughs> yeah, no. Softball is headed off to uh, just outside of Orlando this weekend for some more action. Uh, ladies, I really appreciate it. Thanks. I, I'm, I was excited to see you guys get off to a good start last weekend. Hopefully that momentum continues. And then by the time you get back home, which by the way, we've got good weather. Maybe you should just stay home this weekend. But but uh, good luck this season. We really appreciate it. And uh, go get us some wins this weekend down in Florida. Thank you. And again, softball gets started bright and early on Friday morning at 830 against Bethune-Cookman as they stay in Deland, Florida over the weekend. Speaking of the Blue Jays schedule this weekend, men's and women's cross country are at the Nebraska tune-up. That is coming up on Friday afternoon. Women's tennis will take on North Dakota on Friday. We mentioned baseball at Coppin State, 1 p.m. start time. Softball will be at Stetson. That'll be coming up in, later in the afternoon on Friday. The women's basketball team will be at St. John's. Tip-off time, 6 o'clock from Queens, New York. And on Saturday, the softball team continues action. They will be taking on Colgate at 11 a.m. The men's basketball team battles the Butler Bulldogs. Pre-game coverage will start on 1620 The Zone at 10 a.m. And then I will take things over from Butler and Hinkle Fieldhouse at 11 with tip-off at 11.30 as the Jays look for revenge against the Butler Bulldogs. Baseball will wrap up the series both Saturday and Sunday at Coppin State as well. And that's a look at what's happening on a very busy weekend of sports for Creighton Athletics. And that'll do it for this week's 1620 The Jays podcast. Want to thank all of our guests and for Connor Happer and Josh Peterson. I'm John Bishop, the 1620 The Jays podcast is a co-presentation of Creighton University Athletics and NRG Media Omaha.